So if you need a, a short reminder of these four noble truths, um, the first is in life there is suffering. The second is that there's a cause of this suffering, which is clinging, craving. Uh, the third is there is a way out of suffering. And the fourth is the path. Last week, we started this looking at the third noble truth, there is a way out. And we looked at it primarily through the lens of its, um, let's say, ultimate promise. What the essence of the four noble truths is pointing to in the large way is there's a way out of suffering. End of story, <laughs> you know, in a total sort of way. Um, in the Buddhist tradition, the word for that is nirvana. Um, and we're not, and this is one of the things I have so much respect about these teachings, we're not ever asked to blindly accept this as some truth meant to be swallowed without um, um, personal reckoning with does this add up in your own experience? Um, we're always invited to explore, you know, this is what this person says they found. What do you find when you look at this? And I'll just say in terms of kind of that ultimate promise, um, working in my own life for my own experience, I have certainly lived some extraordinary moments that were overtly healing in my life. Um, and overtly pointed to there is a greater reality than I know I typically live on a surface level of what it means to be human. Um, having touched into moments that there is something much deeper, much more profound available in my experience. And then I've also met um, people, I've named them here a bunch, um, um, who I could feel in their presence that they lived those kinds of moments I've had, that they lived it with some sort of continuity that I can only still kind of dream of. <laughs> there was an, an integrated wholeness that was palpable in their presence. So for me, you know, this really gives me a sense, an embodied experiential sense of knowing that there is something always available, always possible, more than that superficial living that we so often tend to hang out in. And I love these teachings. They always say, start where you are. Um, and knowing that nirvana is not actually on my immediate horizon, um, or assuming that nirvana is, doesn't in this moment right now, it doesn't look likely that nirvana is in my, is in my daily schedule today. Um, uh, where I am now is what do little moments um, um, show me? What little moments show me over and over and over is when I pause in my day and I actually take the time to contemplate the truth of the moment through this lens of, huh, in life there is suffering, clinging is the cause. What truth does that have for me right now? 
inevitably I find it. <laughs> if I look, if I look close enough, um, it's there. And that recognizing of it always has some relief, some essence of a letting go that's different, which is tasting the truth of the third noble truth. So I really want to talk about the third noble truth today, not as some sort of esoteric teaching about this ultimate state of nirvana taught from thousands of years ago, but like in the really nitty gritty fabric of our lives, which is the way these, these teachings are always meant to be applied. What relevance does this teaching have for me right here, right now? And what it occurred to me is there's a very practical modern model that we've talked about um, here a lot, or, or some, um, that is, when you really look at it, is simply a re-expression of these first three noble truths. Um, so even though we've named it before, I'm going to name it again because it's, it's just been a very useful infinitely practical model in my own life. And I know for some of you as well, um, this is Judson Brewer's model of the shifting gears. Um, so if you've done any work with his app, um, Eat Right Now or Unwinding Anxiety, this is gonna be very familiar. And it's just interesting to hear how he <clears throat> frames our working with habits in a way that is, is in alignment with the insights from this person from 2,500 years ago um, that he called the Four Noble Truths and Joseph Brewer calls Shifting Gears. <laughs> So if you're not familiar with Judson Brewer in this model, he's a, a, a physician who has um, primarily focused his work on research and um, particularly around habits, addictions. Um, and he's also, I don't know if he's the director now, he was the director of the Center for Mindfulness at UMass and has moved over to um, Brown University. <clears throat> highly recommend his work, um, particularly if you have habits that are bothering you. One of the first places he, he applied his work was in smoking cessation. Uh, and in this framing of how to work with habits, it never says, okay, pick a quit date and stop smoking cigarettes. Um, with this model, there's never, okay, now you have to put down the cigarettes and never smoke again. Um, and what, what they found in um, looking at it in a totally different way that we'll talk about in just a moment, that it actually had a 50% greater success rate than what was the gold standard. That is an outrageously high <laughs> success compared to whatever um, was before. So this is this the um, telling of it comes a lot from his his app Eat Right Now um, that I'm going to use. So he talks about if you've ever tried to ride a bicycle or drive a car up a steep hill in the wrong gear. 
I can you can you feel what that feels like and that it's just not going to work. It's you you're not going to get anywhere with it. Uh, he says it's challenging and it's why we have gears. Low gears help us get up hills, high gears help us um, give us speed and momentum once we're actually going. Working with our habits can be related to three basic gears uh, in the same way. So the first gear is I'm willing to wake up in this moment, eyes open and see. I have this habit loop pattern that I'm stuck in and I'm doing over and over and over and over and over and I don't want to do it anymore. And so I'm willing to start to explore it um, um, through this lens of, of what's actually happening here. Uh, first gear for Judson Brewer's model is to look at the habit loop through um, what's the trigger, what's the behavior, what's the reward I'm getting for the behavior. Uh, and there's always a reward. There's always a reward. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. <laughs> you know, no matter how much we hate the habit, there is something that in this, the, the flick of the moment is getting, even if it's the smallest little momentary release um, or relief, there is something there um, that's getting that. So, so the question is, can I identify the reward? So first gear, once we can see the habit loop, the trigger, the behavior, the reward, then we have the possibility of switching into second gear. And actually, before I go into second gear, <clears throat> I just want to name something that, um, um, you know, there's actually another, another level that uh, I don't think he has a name for, but it's helpful to, to point out. Um, there's something before first gear. Maybe you would call it neutral. I don't, I don't know. But that is when you aren't even looking at it yet. You're just doing the same old thing over and over and over. You're actually doing some learning. Your brain is learning how to do that same old thing stronger and stronger and stronger. But there's no conscious learning to it. Um, no recognition of what's happening. So that's actually even before, and it's important to notice that is also a piece of this. And then there's that first gear, the waking up. So that first gear, <laughs> what I'm waking up to is there is suffering in my life. Sound familiar? It's the first noble truth. So that first gear, I've shifted from I'm not looking to I'm looking and I'm recognizing that this is causing pain in my life. The first noble truth in life, there is suffering. Second gear, he calls this disenchantment. This is when we explore the reward part of the habit loop. Reward is such an interesting choice of word here because we don't think enough in terms of, of, you know, we are getting some reward from it. 
And there's some piece of us that is attached to and clinging and wanting that reward, whatever it is. So if the habit loop's causing us pain, then obviously there's more to the story than the little, than that, that thing we're clinging to when we want. And so the second, second gear is I'm going to explore what's happening here. I'm going to know. Um, examples Judson Brewer gives <clears throat> if it's that I'm, I'm wanting to eat a big piece of chocolate cake when I know it won't be good for me and I go on and eat it, I allow myself to feel how bad eating that piece of cake actually feels to really know that in my life. Um, if, if my habit loop is about losing my temper and I lose my temper, I then shift into second gear and I learn with eyes open how bad losing my temper feels in the aftermath, what effect it has on my relationship with whoever it was, um, relationship with myself, binge, bad binge watching TV to escape. How does that feel? How does that affect things later? He says that our habit loops can be so ingrained, we might actually be suppressing how bad the reward feels afterwards. So we learn what it feels like. What did I get from this? We drop into the body, our feelings, our thoughts, really see and, and know what does my stomach feel like after that cake, which was too much? Um, um, <laughs> I like this question. Did I even taste it um, um, when I'm doing it out of this stress and shoveling kind of mode? The more we can let ourselves take the time to know the thoughts, the feelings, the body sensations involved with the quote-unquote reward, the more I recalibrate my own brain to understand that the reward isn't as good as, as we think it is. So if you think about this, this is the second noble truth. First is there is suffering. Second is there is a cause of suffering, clinging, craving. And when I can explore the effect of clinging or craving or wanting on my life, then something really interesting happens, both in the way the Buddha framed it 2,500 years ago and in the way Judson Brewer is framing it in the Eat Right Now app um, um, in our present day. If I can notice first gear, second gear, first noble truth, second noble truth, I have a different kind of readiness that takes me into third gear, where I have some momentum and some ability to work with it. Into the third noble truth, it begins to open up and there's a path, there's a way out of this. That disenchantment, that teaching myself the truth of the first two is what opens up the third. So in third gear, starting to ride out our cravings, we begin to be able to rely 
on our mindfulness skills. We begin to understand a practice that has some um, um, foundational strength for our life um, in applying rain or stop to a moment. There is this confidence and trust that starts to grow every time we learn to ride some wave of difficult challenge uh, and meet it in a, in a different way. So a couple other notes that I think are really relevant that Judson Brewer says about the first, second, and third gears. Really important that many people try to suppress their habits. That is, you're going to quit, pick the quit smoke day, and then you're just going to do it. And you're going to smush that habit. There are people that do that. My dad did that. Um, But there was a lot of cost in his life for um, um, slamming down on things about himself that he didn't like. Um, So it's interesting to kind of find that there's this other way that I educate my brain enough that I don't want to pick up the cigarette anymore. Um, that, That it happens from a different way. So he says that when we're trying to suppress it, we can see first gear. We can see it's causing pain. And we want to be able to flip straight to third gear. We don't understand how important it is to hang out with disenchantment, with understanding the, the suffering we are causing in our lives by the craving, by the clinging, and by the reward um, that we're getting from that. So he, he, his words are really, um, be patient. Take your time shifting between first and second gear. Don't rue the time you have to spend educating yourself on what's really present here before you can shift into third gear. And I like, I like how he says this. He, he calls this the big hint Check your mind state. Is it open or curious? Or is it trying to force things? If you're trying to force a change, drop back into second gear. Explore rewards again with an open and curious attitude. Learn more. Try again. So there's kind of this um, um, incredible practicality in our day-to-day lives of these three noble truths, Um, that when we can pick, you know, bite-size this moment and learn what we can about it, we start to taste this natural opening that really becomes available, not not magically, but through engagement um, with, with, a mindful, heartful, compassionate, curious, open awareness to what's actually happening here and letting ourselves fully know it begins to open a door of how we can step out of it. So for this week, I really encourage you to to explore for your own self. Can you pick one small habit, not the habit you want to fix this week, but the habit you want to learn the most you possibly can about. 
um, this week. Really spending that time with the first two noble truths or the first two gears, whichever framing of it is useful for you. And see what happens about the more you learn about what about the reward, uh, about the habit. See what begins to happen in your own life. So let's pause there. Thank you.